time for the final part of this week's show, our feature interview. When I was thinking during the week about who we would like to have on our very first episode, who our feature interviewee should be, I asked a lot of friends and a lot of great, great names came back and one name kept on coming back all the time. Ian Keat. He is the trail running elder statesman. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that of the country. He Ian is over 50 years of age now but year after year he has been getting stronger and stronger continuing to achieve wonderful results on the trails on the mountains and he has multiple records across ultra distances from 24 hours on the track to 48 hours road running, 6 day running as well he was the winner of the spine race the uk's toughest ultra race back in 2016 and he had some incredible results which i'm sure he's going to tell us all about in the ultra trail du mont blanc race series as well he knows all the trails and mountains around dublin wicklow and all over the country like the back of his hand so what better person to have as our first interviewee on the trail running ireland podcast than irish record holder irish international in Keat. And here we are with our first special feature interview. I asked a lot of friends during the week who we should have um, as our special guest on the first episode of Trail Running Ireland. And the same person kept on being mentioned to me. Um, he's an absolute living legend in the world of ultra running, trail running, mountain running. And a couple of months ago, he was the first ever Irish person to win one of the most prestigious um, group of mountain and trail running races in the world with his win in Oman by UTMB. It's none other than Ian Keat. Ian, you're very, very welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Very nice to be talking to you again. And really lovely to hear that. Yeah, no, there's a lot of respect out there for Ian, and uh, no doubt when you decide to write your book and tell us all your secrets, you're going to have lots of people queuing up. Um, Ian, oh, just that book could take a while to write. <laughs> um, Ian, to start things off, um, first of all, you know, how are you, and how have you adapted your training over the last couple of weeks while we've all been in this horrible lockdown? Um, I'm actually pretty good uh, and I've adapted pretty well um, and you know we have our, our 2k limit uh, in Ireland and um, I and it's no accident that I live at the foot of tree rock so that's quite an advantage as a trail runner that uh, I have tree rock within my uh, bounds so I could do still do a huge amount of trailing on tree rock itself and this trail is left right and center up there uh, which is great from my point of view. So obviously I can't do my normal long runs down into the middle of Wicklow, which I'd, I'd usually do at weekends. Instead, I'm uh, more confined. But that's pretty much all that's changed. And my, my road runs, which I do for speed work, are, are loops of local roads rather than uh, longer out and back routes. Uh, the other thing I've done is to try and keep things as, uh, as close to normal as possible. So... Uh, I would normally commute by bike to work. So now I get up in the morning and instead of commuting by bike to work, I'm working from home. So I go out into uh, my shed where I have a bike set up with a turbo trainer and I yeah. 
turbo train for my morning commute, then do my day's work from home, uh, go for a run in the evening, and then I uh, do my evening commute home in the shed again. <laughs> so if anything, I'm actually working harder because um, the working on the turbo trainer is considerably harder than uh, the real life commute because there's no traffic lights to take a break and there's no coasting downhill either so i think if anything i'm actually uh, losing a bit of weight and getting fitter sure. <laughs> sure sure i mean it sounds like one of the keys is just to try and keep to our usual routines as much as we can i think so i think it's very useful to have those anchors those routines and it was actually in the first day or two of the lockdown when i was out doing creating local loops within the 2k uh that the idea popped into my head to that i would do those commutes as well to keep you know just a regular timetable or close yeah. to it and yeah. just keep you know what the normal life as normal as possible uh yeah. which is great you know it's a good target to have yeah and i mean it's times like this in where like i'm very grateful that i'm a runner and a lot of the the running, say, characteristics that we have of perseverance, getting through hard sessions, whether it's a it's for you maybe a I don't know a seven or eight hour hard run through the Wicklow Mountains. For me, it might be a eight by one k. Those type of things they're helping me get through like the the severe lockdown here in Spain. I'm on day yeah. thirty three here, and. From my running background, I've literally taken it kilometer by kilometer, mile by mile. I'm on day by day. Have you found similar feelings to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I actually think the run, running is is massively good for your mental health. And it's noticeable around here, the amount of people who seem to be taking up running. And even uh, on Tree Rock, I see, you know, family groups out and all kinds of people. And in the early days before the two kilometer limit came in, it was noticeable the amount of people who were taking to the hills, literally to, and starting to explore them as a, as a form of leisure. And I thought, well, something really good could come out of this over the long term if people uh, start to appreciate the outdoors and appreciate the hills maybe maybe having found it they'll, they'll stick with it uh, it's unfortunate that the 2k limits will have locked out a lot of people from that but hopefully they you know people will have figured out that there's more to life than uh, just going to the pub or going to the cinema or whatever that there's yeah. this rich bounty here which is just there to be used uh, but yeah the resilience definitely comes into it in, in my own case the ability uh uh, another thing, uh, two big ones, I'll say, actually. One is um, the uh, ability to follow rules and to work within parameters. Because the day, the night that the lockdown came in, it was kind of depressing to hear that we're going to be stuck in a 2K rule. But it's like something, it's like a race rule is the way I'm treating it. You know, you do races and you, say, you have to stick to the route, uh, you know. And then just, okay, this is the race rule for the next however long. And once I kind of, thought of it that way I was adapted to it very quickly because I spent my, my half my life racing within rules and this is just another rule to be to be you know used as a parameter in life so pretty straightforward yeah, the, the, uh, the discipline absolutely helps I think doesn't yeah. it and, and as you said if 
we can, you know, bring some new members of the general public into the world of, of trails and running. And uh, if they're starting up exercises as a result of the lockdown, where, as you said, um, some positives to take from it. I know my own mom is, has her daily exercise routine now nice, that she does. Nice. And, and beforehand, yeah. maybe she wouldn't have done that. So yeah. absolutely, it, it, it's, it's a great it's a reflection, place. I think, on, on the Irish um, population in general that everybody's been pulling together. Another thing I would have picked up from from sports um, and from longer distance racing is uh, uh, what I call a rule that I use, particularly when I'm in a navigational race and someone is, you know, if I've made a mistake and we're, we're not where we should have been, uh, this very simple rule is we are where we are. Uh, it doesn't matter how we got here. You just have to take your optimal route to where you want to go. And yeah. that's a great. That's a, an absolutely brilliant rule for racing, but it's also a brilliant rule for life, you know, because you are where you are. It doesn't matter how we got here. Uh, you just, you know, do the optimal within the constraints you have. Uh, and it's, a, you know, there's no point in worrying about how you got here. Just, sure. you, know, you, you can only go forward. You're here. We're here, here in the here and now. Just move forward in the optimal way. Yeah, uh, and, and maybe just to, to get to that finish line that it yeah, will exactly. come. It will come, it will come. Work through it mile by mile. And um, maybe, I suppose, the, the issue for a lot of people now is we don't know we don't know exactly when that finish line will come, but we do know that it will come. We and do. that's why just to, to stay the course, as you've done, I'm sure, in dozens yeah. and dozens of races over the years. And that's it, exactly. Yeah, you just, you know, do the, do the best you can and enjoy it as much as you can. Again, yeah, something yeah. you learn from racing. Yeah. <laughs> Directly to life, you know. Yeah. But listen, speaking of races, and we were talking to Rene earlier on in the show about just having to change our race targets and our racing calendar. Um, I'm sure your own racing calendar has been totally turned up over the last couple of weeks. Um, what have you refocused on or have you set any new racing targets? I know things are all still, still a bit up in the air. Um, what's hopefully next up for you or what's keeping you going on all those double and treble sessions that you're doing at the moment? Um, well, my own racing calendar is totally upset, absolutely. I, there's, uh, I'm not anticipating uh, getting much racing in this year, but we'll just see what happens. Um, if there was no racing for the rest of the year, so be it. Um, but it's not all about racing. You know, I've, I've, I enjoy the outdoors for its own sake, and I enjoy being up in the hills for its own sake. And I've always considered it a privilege to to be in the hills and join them and just you know if ever i'm uh, starting to feel like everything's a bit of a drudge or whatever i i kind of knock myself out of it and look around and realize you know how magnificent it is to be to be up here in the mountains uh looking around in this wonderful outside and there's a huge amount of science supporting how good this is for you both for your mental and physical health so um I, I definitely try and embrace that. Um, and that's definitely, that's enough to keep me going in itself. I mean, I look forward after a day sitting in front of the computer, I very much uh, look forward to getting out in the evening, bursting out in the evening and into the outside and breathing in the fresh air and, you know, getting in the exercise. It feels great. Even sitting on the turbo trainer feels relatively good, but actually being outside, is, I mean, it's great to embrace it now. You know, and it's particularly... As the weather is getting better and feeling the sun on the skin, I just love that. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. so it sounds like, I mean, the actual race day is, is just a bonus for you, that it's the journey, it's the process that you enjoy the most. Yeah, I mean, the race day adds an awful lot because I'm, I'm a very competitive person, so I love the racing aspect. But if I wasn't enjoying the training, I don't think I could do it. Um, you know, and every now, what often happens in my life is uh, picking up an injury, usually a, a biking injury, because I get very few running injuries. So it's usually a broken bone due to biking or something. And uh, if you're out for six weeks having fallen off the bike and broken a collarbone or whatever uh, you come back with this huge appreciation and every time that happens I try and tap in and remember that appreciation of you know actually being able to do this so and it keeps me alive for even the, the training bits I I dread starting and there are bits of training I dread starting you know I, I dread starting my speed work sessions but once I start them I'm, I'm fine in the way same if uh, oh, if I open the front door and it's lashing rain Oh, you just don't want to go out. But once you're out, it's fine. You know, it's sure, sure. <laughs> you start to well, embrace and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that you're a very competitive person, and one of the things that I wanted to ask you today was, where did that competitive nature come from? Because I'm sure you won't mind me telling the listeners that you're over fifty now. Yeah. But you seem to be as competitive as ever. And I mean, for anybody that's listening, that's in their 40s, in their 50s and 60s and beyond, you're a great example of somebody that, you know, seems to be getting stronger and stronger. And as I said, you had the finish line in Oman that night, um, like a fine wine. Um, <laughs> has that competitive edge been there from the very start? I think it has, and I think it's it's. Uh, I think in my case, it's part of who I am. Uh, that competitiveness. Uh, I was a hill walker before I was a runner, uh, and definitely the one thing that was missing from my hill walking life was that competitive edge. And I would I would sort of sneak it in by trying to be first up the hill or. You know, when I was a mountaineer, uh, I, my mountaineering partner, myself, so I, I, we were peak baggers, which is kind of competitive in itself. You know, we <laughs> always trying to knock off the, the peaks, uh, whereas yeah. other people get other things out of it. We were kind of box ticking with targets, etc., which is as close to competitive as you get, really. Uh, so, yeah, I think I've always had it. And uh, trail running certainly allows you to, to, utilize that and drive it in a very healthy direction you know uh, sure. without getting without getting over competitive which you see in some other sports where you know i also think it would be absolutely hilarious if you had that whole boxing uh you know i'm gonna take you down <laughs> kind of sure, thing going sure. on the start of hill running would be hilarious because it's such the opposite of that you know everyone coming in and being all friendly and nice and genuinely so you know <laughs> and, and, and has it been has it been a planned career and um, for example when you started off was your goal to run for ireland to break national uh, records to to win a big international trail race and um, or, or did it just organically kind of grow season by season year by year it definitely evolved, but um, I, I actually hit a few of those targets relatively early in my my running career. I mean, I was always ambitious about it. Uh, my first running race was actually the Dublin City Marathon back in 1998. And 
I, I had always suspected that I had good endurance, uh, but I was I was never a good runner in school because all the, the races in school are sprints when I was growing up, and all the sports in school were sprint related. So a good race for me in school was coming second last. So, uh, <laughs> but mostly I was last because I was still a terrible sprinter. Certainly yeah. was as a kid. Uh, so the marathon, that marathon was my first real uh, go at actually. Uh, trying to put that competitiveness into place where I suspected I might have some talent. So I targeted the sub three hour marathon and, and ran it in 2.57. Uh, and that's when I realized, okay, I might have some talent here. And from there it was a matter of, you know, organic growth, I suppose. Uh, it was, I think it must be within about four years that I had my first Irish vest as an ultra runner, uh, running, running the annual Celtic Plate 100K. But uh, it was relatively straightforward. wasn't as difficult to get an ultra running vest in those days because you could fit all the Irish ultra running crew into a telephone box back then. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was still a great thing to put on an Irish vest for the first time, absolutely. And uh, a huge sense of achievement. Um, and yeah, it's just I, to this day, I still want to to run for Ireland. I still going to every race wanting to to do the best I possibly can you know if I, if I can't win the race I'll be targeting something you know whatever sure. it is <laughs> sure well I, we'll mention UTMB maybe a bit later on but I think in the actual UTMB in Chamonix this year were you the second Irish person home in, I think right? I was yeah just, yeah, just, just being, behind Paddy O'Leary just behind and, and closer to Paddy than I would have anticipated being, which yeah, I was very happy really with. Yeah. 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 Um, Plus, it, 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 I got on my, my real target for the UTMB was my age group podium. And the fact that I had to work hard for that and, and hit it was the, that was the big achievement for that one. Paddy was kind of a, a secondary nice to have. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But as you mentioned, UTMB, Tell the listeners what your target was last season, um, and I'll let you tell the listeners how it ended maybe as well, because it's, it's a lovely success story. Yeah, so uh, I wanted something to mark the fact that I was tur- t- I turned 50, and rather than running away and hiding from it, I was going to embrace that fact. So uh, one of the advantages of turning 50 is you get into a new age group category. So uh, I was looking around for something appropriate to target, and uh, I, I figured out why not try and do all the UTMP franchise races uh, in the world and uh, try and get an age group podium for each one of them. So there was three of them, and first up was... I was only thinking of today, this time last year, pretty much, uh, was uh, the UTMB in Ashwaya, which is the southern tip of South America, the southernmost town in the, in the world. And uh, that was a, a, an amazing race. Uh, first time it's been put on. Uh, turned out to be a really wild and beautiful course. We got the first winter storm of the year, so... It was about six or seven kilometers of it where the Argentinian army were out on the course marking it all out with tape because uh, the trail had disappeared beneath uh, a foot or two of snow. Uh, uh, plus, uh, when you were down low, it was a mud fest, then, which was uh, great for the Irish because <laughs> we know how to deal with mud. Uh, and uh, so in the end, I ended up getting a second 
uh, over 50 and eighth overall in that race, which is a, a great result from my point of view and set me up for uh, race number one of uh, hitting my target. Race number two then was uh, what I reckoned would be the hardest to actually get the podium was the UTMB itself in Chamonix. And uh, I came in and it was my my seventh go at uh, UTMB and uh, the previous three I DNF'd, well, the first three I'd finished, which is an odd record. So it was the main UTMB race itself, the most competitive, which uh, I'd always go for, the most competitive long race, usually. Uh, and uh, so very deep field, uh, there's maybe 200 elites or so, or something like that. Uh, sure. It's like the Olympic Games, isn't it? It oh, is. It is, it is the, by far the toughest uh, field out there. It's the, yeah. the one race you're guaranteed that pretty much every elite runner will turn up yeah. to. And, and, and it's I mean, great if, there's anybody, if there's anybody listening in, because I know there's a lot of, say, people that are coming from marathon backgrounds in the road that are coming to the trails for the first time over the last year or two, and they might not actually realise what the UTM is but as we were saying it's the olympic games of of trail running and fifty thousand people descend on this beautiful french town every summer in in chamonix and over a hundred different countries represented and as you said the very best of the best from all around the world are there so i mean if anybody's listening and is looking for a long-term goal in trail running and mountain running UTMB is it, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great experience just to be part of it. Um, and standing on the start line is electric. Uh, yeah. Very much helped by your own voice and presence there as well. But uh, it, I wonder it, it, it is. It. Yeah, but that start line is just amazing. Of, of any race I've ever done, it's got the best uh, start line experience. And I, I, I'm very calm on the start line, but. Uh, the UTMB, I could usually stay calm until about 30 seconds to go, and then the music kicks in, and I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> the emotions will be flying out of me then. Uh, so it's 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 amazing experience, just to, no matter where you are in the field, it's just to be part of it. It's something else. Uh, well, I, and, I remember uh, seeing you, you know, at the start line um, last summer, and you are probably the most calm runner there amongst yeah. the... A couple of run, hundred runners who would come, you know, a couple of hours beforehand to get a good position and to see all the famous kind of celebrity superstar runners come in. And um, you were the most calm person there. And if I remember rightly, I think you had a numberella up. I even did. Though it wasn't raining. Is that right? Well, it was raining for a while. Yeah, my sister-in-law had an umbrella. And it started just, raining. The sun rays coming it. down as well. And um, yeah. just, just uh, applying all all the wisdom you you've you've collected over the years. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Just sit there calmly and just take it all in and enjoy it. Uh, that, was, that was my attitude. And yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I was doing. And you got the result in the end. Yeah, so I, I uh, it was quite a ding dong. And I, I clung on for, for a third in my age group. And I had a hell of a race in the last uh, last leg or two to make it into the top 50 as well, which is a great result given the number of um, elites in that field. You know, I didn't think I'd get that high up in the field. Uh, given I wasn't, I wasn't even in the elite list. And there was a couple of hundred in the elite list, so to get top fifty is uh, was a good result in itself. But definitely to get top three and hit my target of the age group podium, that was that was super. And again, it was super experience standing on the the age group podium, getting the the cowbell prize. Man, it's it's so good. It's such a such a great kick. 
So that that was the the really hard one achieved, and uh, then the third of the UTMB races last year was UTMB Oman, and I'd done the first Oman race uh, the year before, which was at 135k. And the beast re- from the east is what they call it. Yeah, and what a great race! I mean, it's even more technical than the the, the main UTMB. It's far more technical, in fact. Uh, which I love. Uh, so if you enjoy technical running, it's great. And Oman's an amazing country. And I really enjoyed the whole experience of the first year. So I came back with uh, with the target to, to again. And this uh, this last year, they added um, uh, an extra long version. And me being me, I went for a long version, the 170K, which is uh, roughly 100 miles. Uh, which is similar to the main UTMB race, but uh, much more technical, as I say. So it was going to always oh, going to run longer over time. Yeah. And uh, so I went in same ambitions that I wanted my age group podium. I, in reality, in my head, thought I had a, an excellent chance of winning my age group and might have a chance of getting onto the main podium. Uh, it's because it was going to run long. It's going to suit someone like me who, who the longer the race is, the better I perform. And in the end, uh, I just had one of the best races of my life, and uh, we fin- actually won the race overall. Which you know, never mind getting first by getting on my age group podium. I was I was top of all podiums, so yes, that was just. <laughs> if I remember rightly, you're actually I think where you ranked third going into the race on the intra yes. on the intra elite point system. That's right. And I know you enjoy trying to hunt down race number um, two and race number one, whoever it is wearing those race bibs. Exactly. I keep three and four behind, which is, as I say, you know, if I'm not racing to win, I'm racing for something. And that's one of my other little side projects in a race like that, where the bib numbers uh, reflect the ranking points and be to at least try and match my rank number and uh you know and preferably beat it uh which was similar at uh at ashwaya actually i did the same thing there except you know i beat it by one or two positions but uh uh you know it was even better again because you know you you can't beat winning you know (laughs) that's just yeah i I remember being at the finish line in um, that night and for a lot of the race the the young local omani athlete was in the lead yeah. But the local race organizers and the local media were so excited because it, to have an Omani winning um, a big international race, it, it would have converted, uh, I forget the guy's name now, it would have converted him into a national superstar, um, yeah. a name in Cochran type, Sonia Sullivan That's right. winning That's moment, right. you know. So everybody was glued to the race tracking systems and um, the media were, were getting ready. Um, but then, of course, there was an Irishman in the middle of these Omani. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to spoil the, the local party and myself was there of course there was a couple of other Irish runners there and um, Helen your wife was there too it, it was right. great excitement and Joe Rafferty and um, race director as well from from Dublin too Irish. yeah so, um, so when you did get to the finish line I think the poor old Omanis were heartbroken but needless to say everybody who was tuning back home tuning in back home on social media all of us there it, it was a special special moment uh, well, it really was a special moment for me as well. I was so delighted that that Hella was on the finish line because I thought 
I was took me so long. I would presume she'd have gone home, gone back to the hotel to rest, but no, she hung around and you were there. And uh, oh, it's just great, you know, having having a few special That's people good. around. Well, and yeah. I was really bracing because I knew, you know, from a couple of kilometers back that I was locked in and there was no way I was going to be beaten. So I, I was revving myself up for it as well to really, you know, absolutely soak it all in and enjoy it as much as I could because this was such an unexpected surprise to win a UTMB franchise race is something else. So yeah. as I've been saying to people afterwards, if I had any common sense that things to do would have been retire at the finish James Hunt style, but of course... Yeah. <laughs> but, but that no, you don't you get into the these races by having common sense, you know. <laughs> but it brings me on to the next question. After achieving that and getting on the podiums of those UTMB races, even winning one of them, where do you go from here? What's driving you now for next season once we get out of this coronavirus? Um, what are your plans going forward? Um, I'm not going to even mention the word retirement because I know just that that's probably just doesn't even enter your thought, or does it? No, it doesn't. Doesn't at all. No, because yeah. the reality is I miss it all too much. You know, it's part yeah. of my life now, and uh, yeah, I just uh, there's no way I, I would deliberately retire. Um, <laughs> the only way I'm retiring is if I get medically retired. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's always something out there. There's so many races and there's so much to see and do. And there's so many countries you could potentially go to. Well, hopefully we'll be able to travel as much as we used to. Um, but and there's so many classic races that are still out there to be done. I mean, I still have an entry for later in the year for Big's Backyard Ultra, which is uh, another classic little race that I was I hope to get to. If I don't get to it this year, I will be getting there. Uh, you know, I'd like to go back to the Barclay and give that another go. And there's just so many races out there. There's, there's, you know, I'd love to do a race in China. I'd love to do, uh, you know, there's a couple of UTMB races out in China. So one of them, there's, there's, there's always something, you know, there's, there's some big classic races that I've yet to do. Like the, the Comrades is a classic ultra I've yet to do. Uh, so just to see and take part in those races in itself. Plus, there's the races that I love in and of themselves that I keep coming back to. Plus, uh, there's the local scene, like uh, the the Imra scene in, here in Ireland is is just wonderful to be part of. And you know, uh, there was a year or two back I didn't do as much Imra races as I normally would, and I realised how much I just missed a whole social aspect of of taking part in the Imra races and just being on the local hills for. Uh, every Wednesday or whatever during the summer for a sure, quick competitive sure. blast. You know, it, it's it's so much to it. Yeah. And I certainly <laughs> remember for, for years and years and years, it really was the anchor of my my summer was getting out every Wednesday to do the Imber races. And it, it's just a, such an enjoyable, brilliant thing to do. And I don't, I don't want to stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, where would you like to see trail and mountain running go in Ireland over the next couple of years? I mean, you mentioned that great escape on a Wednesday night with the Leinster lead races in Imra. I know then in Munster they have them as well. Um, yeah. Where do you see it all going in Ireland over the next couple of years? Where would you well, like to see it going, even? Hopefully more and more people come in, you know, it's uh, it's been growing and growing and growing. Um, when I first started in Imra, which must have been 
it would have been just after my first marathon race, actually, so back around the year 2000 or so. Uh, there was generally about 70 people that turned up on those Wednesday races. And, and these days, we're more likely to get double that and sometimes yeah. even more, which is great. You know, and, and in the longer distance stuff, the ultras, uh, when I started, there was really only one in Ireland and you'd get about 20 people in it. And the same race now, the Morris Mullins, which is now organized by IMRA, used to be organized by the aforementioned Morris Mullins himself. Um, it's it's now got, it fills up with 300 runners, which is fantastic to see. So um, hopefully that continues. The other thing that's, that's happening is um, the standard at the top is is getting better and better and there's more and more good runners but at the same time there's room for everyone and long may that continue as well you know across the board we're getting uh runners coming in and taking part as one of the great things about the ember scene is that you know it's very non-elitist you know every every racer is, is equally valid every little battle with it is equally uh uh, watched and enjoyed, you know. I've watched some of the best finishes I've seen have been people battling it out for whatever 140 or 141 or something like that, and just giving their giving it everything to beat the, the person they're racing in, no matter who yeah. it is. It, it, it's a real family, I think, atmosphere, isn't it? On the it, on the trails in Wicklow, all around the country, and um, I, I remember speaking to um, Fernando Gonzalez, a friend of mine here in Las Palmas, who helps to run the Transplant Canaria, yeah. and he said it wonderfully one day. He said, "Listen, Owen, I couldn't meet my life enemy from my work environment or from my social life out in the hills, but out in the hills, I will share my bottle of water with him." Yeah, and yeah. It, it just captured it um, so well that on the hills we run together as a trail community, as a mountain running community, and the more people we can share that community with, I think respecting the environment, respecting the trails, and um, increasing the standards of races over the next coming years, and, and indeed the standard of, of running performance as well, uh, I think the better. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a, a, the ethos in, in trail running tends to be. Uh, you, I just haven't seen it better. And I've taken part in a lot of sports. You know, I, I was involved in mountain biking quite a bit. And, uh, but there, there's been some hilarious faction fighting in mountain biking. And, and you see it in all kinds of, any team sports, uh, yeah. they, they lock horns with each other. And you can get an awful lot of downsides to it as well. But the trail running has no downsides. Uh, in 20 years in Imra, I've never seen... Uh, so nastiness, I have to say. We've had plenty uh, of there, there, there's, some good, there's some good people there, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, and, and like there's been plenty of discussions over the years, you know, about what's the best way to do this, what way direction should we go. But the discussions are always uh, positive. It's, and everyone realizes everyone has got the same end goal. And we're all pulling in the same direction. Just because we disagree about it doesn't matter. You know, we're all, and yeah. that's great to see. And it's quite rare. You know, sure, sure, sure. In, in Irish sports, Irish sports politics, Irish sports administrators are some of the most uh, brilliantly vicious in the world you know we've had you look at some of the top level uh, sports administrators the amount of irish in it is ridiculous if you look at the lance armstrong story the amount of irish embedded in it is ridiculous you know yeah. and for the, <laughs> we, yeah. we 
But in hill running, you don't get that vicious side to it that you can get in other sports. Sure. Which is, which is well, I, I, I was going to ask you, just a, as we begin to finish off the interview, um, your own future in the sport. You mentioned that you, that you want to keep on running, keep on competing. Can yeah. you see yourself going into uh, an, an, an administration role within the sport? Um, I was going to ask you, would you like to be a coach within the sport, a, a team manager? Or, or am I right in suspecting that you just want to keep on running and competing and leave yeah. all the other stuff for everybody else? Yeah, I would like to, as long as I can be useful as a competitor, I would like to keep competing as long as I can. And I do have my own little heroes for that, you know, where uh, there are people older than me who are still running for Ireland, yeah. uh, irrespective of their age. So, um, yeah, I, I, I intend to keep running competitively for as long as I can. But I could see myself certainly taking on administrative roles if there's something useful for me to do. And I definitely could see myself doing uh, coaching if uh, if the right people came along and, uh, you know, I, I felt I had something useful to add to someone, you know, I, I, I will happily give my time to some of the upcoming runners and give them tips uh, as best I can. But I'm, I'm not a coach at the moment, but I'm happy to help anyone, to be, to be honest. Yeah. You'd be an absolute asset to um, any team or any any athlete um, in out there. Um, in, in to finish off, I'm going to ask the same question to everybody over the next um, couple of episodes and hopefully create a bit of a database of your favourite place in Ireland to train. I can pick a particular trail, actually, which is, sure. um, but it has to be done at the right time of year when it turns from magic turns to magic which is uh across uh the bogs from uh crua to prince william seat uh there's a trail that goes right along the skyline there and most of the year it's horrific because it's uh i've, I've done it on i've done it when it's been covered in frogs because it's so wet and damp sometimes that the puddles are so black and uh dark that you disappear into it if you you if you were on your own you might never get back out again but when it gets dry and it dries out and the sun is out it turns into something magical it the views are tremendous you feel like you're running along top of the world and when that bog dries out it's like running on a mattress on top of a mattress on top of a mattress you just bounce it on and it's the most wonderful ground to run on. And it's so forgiving as well. You can run it a full whack. It doesn't matter if you trip over it because you just go rebounding back off it perfectly happily. So it's it's a brilliant trail to run on, but only rarely. So uh, last year I didn't get to run it at all because I was never happy that it dried out enough. Whereas the year before I got a couple of weeks running on it non-stop and just loved it it was great yeah uh, i think i'm going to sit down and visualize myself being there <laughs> for the next hour as i'm stuck in my concrete building here oh i do sympathize i really do and, um, and hopefully we all get back out running and enjoying places like that and um, sooner rather than later it, it's been an absolute pleasure and um, i really really enjoyed it thanks very much and, and thanks for supporting the, the very first episode Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you very much for having me on. Good luck. And hopefully I'll see you soon. And maybe a, a UTMB finish line in the not so distant future. Wouldn't that be marvellous? All the best, Dean. Take care. Bye. Bye.